Welcome to the Doctors Hospital Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Burrows, Marketing Director at Doctors Hospital. This past Thursday, February 3rd, 2022, was recognized around the world as National Women Physicians Day. This day is celebrated on February 3rd in honor of the birthday of Dr. Elizabeth Blackwell, the first woman to receive a medical degree in the United States. This year, Doctors Hospital honored Dr. Mildred Hall Watson, obstetrician and gynecologist, for her contributions to healthcare in the Bahamas. In doing so, our Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Sheena Antonio Colley, sat down with Dr. Hall Watson to discuss her experiences, from her early studies at Howard University, to her career in healthcare and politics, and her message to female physicians of today. So we invite you to take a listen to this engaging conversation between two female physicians as we celebrate National Women Physicians Day. But first, here is some important information about Doctors Hospital Pharmacy's new initiative, Pick Up Now, Pay Later. Doctors Hospitals Pharmacy introduces a new spin on prescriptions called Pick Up Now, Pay Later. That's right, you can collect your medications first and pay after. How does it work? Step one, submit a prescription online. Step two, select a pickup site. Step three, collect your medication. And step four, pay online within 14 days. For more info, call us at 242-302-4785 or visit us at doctorshospital.com. Good afternoon, Dr. Hall Watson. So happy to have you with us today to celebrate with us the National Women's Physicians Day, which is February 3rd, celebrated throughout North America. And of course, you are one of the leading female physicians in the country. You have such a stellar career. And, you know, we here at Doctors Hospital Health System wanted to celebrate you and that career and what all you have done for not only our health system, but for the country at large in your role as a physician as a, and as a community leader. So I just have a few questions for you. How would you best describe your journey to become a veteran female physician, given society's general view of women in medicine and healthcare? Oh, that's a big question. But first of all, before I answer the question, I would like to say thank you to Doctors Hospital and yourself, Dr. Polly, in particular, for not only recognizing something as important as Women Physicians Day, but in asking me to participate at this level. And so I thank you. And uh, I think it shows a significant part of your contribution from a corporate standpoint in recognizing this generally. But to get to uh, your question, my journey as a veteran female physician, I'm going to start a whole lot earlier than you think. At the age of six, I remember saying, when I grow up, I'm going to deliver babies. Now, I really didn't have a real idea of what that entailed. And amazingly, the friend to whom I spoke those words said, well, I'm going to be a teacher. And sure enough, she became a teacher and she became an adult. Anyway, um, as we progress, I went through 
most of my younger life still with that thought in mind. And um, having completed the government high school, I went to Howard University, undergraduate, and um, had a great time there, and then got into medical school, and I had an even greater time there. And I stayed at Howard to do my specialty training in obstetrics and gynecology. And I think that was one of the better decisions that I have made in regarding my career. Because we, being in an urban setting, we were able to experience taking care of our people who, in an urban setting, would have every possible complication that you could think of, not only in obstetrics, but in other areas. And so it allowed us the experience to see things which, in a suburban hospital, we may not have had the occasion to experience. Now, important to note is that as a training resident at Howard University, we also had the opportunity to rotate to the suburban hospitals, which allowed us to see the difference between urban living and suburban living. And so uh, we had the benefit of a wide experience of multiple normals, multiple abnormal situations. And I, amazingly, I don't know if because of the size of the population, we did not have a, a significant problem as in training uh, as female physicians, or even when I finished and I worked there for a while, working as a female physician. The male physicians with whom we came into contact was extremely supportive. And an example being, in, in my training program, there were six slots, five were females, one was male. So obviously, uh, there was no slighting of females in accepting individuals for those positions. But to get back to the actual work, um, we were in a, where male physicians, I mean, they went bent over backwards to assist you if there was an issue. And so we, we never had that male-female kind of thing. We had a collegiality among our doctors, which was phenomenal. And I'm so grateful that I was able to train in a setting like that, so that um, you never had to be concerned about, oh, what are they going to say to us today? And um, I'm coming home. That changed dramatically. And, uh, but I think I was able to deal with it satisfactorily. There were times when there were difficulties, but I think the most important thing in getting along with any individual, whether it's in a personal, professional area, I think is you have to control what it is that you do and not allow your actions to be controlled by someone else. And I think when you do that, you will find that you are able to accomplish and do the kind of things you need to do. Great, awesome stage work, that's for sure. So your pre-med studies were done at the prestigious Howard University, as you said, in the mid-70s, a time of discovery for the global medical community. How did that period shape your career path and substantial work? 
Um, well, first of all, when I first went to Washington, you know, we were coming off of all of the political and racial tr troubles of the 60s and early 70s. And so living in the city, one always had to be mindful of that, but it never really negatively impacted what we did as um, undergraduates and as medical students. Um, the situation there, as I said before, impacted positively because of the massive experience that we had in living in an area like that. Um, we never, so say for example, um, at Princess Margaret, if we have five to six deliveries a day, we would have five to six deliveries a day. And so there was never a time when you were not in a position to learn something because of all of those six, maybe two, maybe three were normal and the other three were like, oh my goodness, we, do we need to go back and get a book again? But fortunately for us, we worked in a system where the, our professors and our teachers were present. You never had to say, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You would, they would make you say what you think should be done, but they were always present to ensure that the correct decisions were made. And I think that is um, something that I hope when I did work in a system where I worked uh, directly with residents, I was able to impart that uh, you, you have to be present and being present allows you to interact and take your knowledge and share it with the people who are in the training years. Dr. Hall Watson, who was the most influential in your life and why? I think starting very early, the most influential individuals in my life were my parents. I, I think I can always reflect back and I had a terrific childhood. Um, you know, there was the occasional bump here and bump there, but overall, uh, I was the last. I was a girl, and my father doted on me. So that 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 was a very very positive thing. But my mother was the same. She, uh, I have one sister. Everybody else were boys, and um, so she, she doted on both of us. And my father always told us, you're the best. And so you grow up thinking, well, I don't know what that means, but I'm the best. <laughs> and uh, so the influence on who and what I am and became started with my parents. Um, while I was in training, the two individuals who I think had the greatest impact on my life was um, Dr. Clark, who was the head of the program, uh, he was a phenomenal physician and a phenomenal person. And he treated each person as if they were very special. This is what I need to teach you. And the other individual was uh, Dr. LaSalle Fall. He was a uh, general surgeon, but he did everything. He was a remarkable individual who um, everybody admired and respected. 
to the point where when you rotated through surgery, you had to be in the hospital at 4 a.m. because he did rounds of five. And unlike today, you had to actually do a complete presentation of all of your labs, your working diagnosis, and then he would look at you and say, well, doctor, are you sure? And if you weren't sure, then you would fall down. But he always said that to you to make sure that you had a working idea of what it was you were talking about. And he then went to his office at 6 a.m. He did his office hours at 6 a.m. And that's the kind of schedule he had. And so we were taught to, you have to get up, you have to go to work, you have to do your work. And if you're good, people will come to your office at 6 a.m., <laughs> you know. So he, 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 was a, he was a remarkable surgeon, was involved in everything from a medical, political point of view, not only in the United States, but, but in Europe. Spoke German fluently because he was a frequent um, lecturer at the German universities, and he, he could read everything. He used to quote uh, all of the Greek mythology stuff while he was teaching. And uh, you would all, you know. But the one thing I learned without question from him was he had a statement that said, There are two diagnoses you will never make the ones you don't know about and the ones you don't think about. So it is your responsibility to know as much as you can and don't think in the box, think outside of the box so that you can think of a possible diagnosis when things look very muddy. Awesome. Great advice. Given the current overview of the nation's health system and the current role of women in it, what are some pressing observations that you have made in recent years? Um, I think at this point in time, we, and this is my perspective, uh, we need a review of our health system. I personally feel that we could do better. It doesn't mean that we're not doing a lot of good. We are. But the, we can always do better. Now, I know this is a very difficult and challenging time with uh, COVID, and so it makes it difficult not only for healthcare providers, but for patients who um, are afraid of exposure or who have been exposed and the healthcare providers who then have to expose themselves to the patients who have been exposed. Um, and so it, 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 it is always a challenge to make a decision between your fear of COVID and giving the best medical care that you can. And I think we're now in a situation where a lot of our care is being delayed because of COVID. And I think we have to find a way to work around that. Because what can be a minor problem for a patient today in six months can be a major problem. And that is because of the delay. So I think we should really look at how we set up our screening techniques, our protection techniques and all that, so that patients are not waiting six months for surgery. Um, 
Because if the surgery is legit, then it needs to be done. And so we are patients, particularly our family island patients, who a lot of times come down thinking they can get a clinic visit or have some surgery done that they may have been promised more than six months ago. And they come down, they have to find somewhere to live through the expense of coming. And then they go to the hospital and get told, you need to go back. We'll call you. When are you going to call me? I don't have the kind of contact so that you can reach me. So I think we need a revamping of everything that is going on now. And I really think it's the women who can do this. Give them the chance, give them the opportunity. Because despite the fact that male physicians are good, they think differently than women do. And so if I would think, if you come down and left your family, we're going to find a way to make this work for you. And the honest truth is, there are not a lot of males who are going to think like that. And so I think our role, particularly now in this kind of health situation that we find in the country, uh, we need to step up. Totally agree. And, and I can agree more about the delays um, due to this pandemic um, and the fact that we do need to seek ways to mitigate that and to come around it. And I do think women can do that just because of the way we think. Um, and I'm just I'm going to ask um, a question that might not have been on here, but you know, um, you know, we were very pleased to have you serve as president of the Senate um, at some point. And so, you know, just tell us a little bit of how that role as a woman, as a woman and how that coincided with your uh, role as a physician, because I, I always say that women physicians are inherently leaders anyway. And so was it then a trend, the transition into the leadership in Senate? Um, uh, was that an easy one? Was it difficult? Was there any lessons learned um, that contributed to helping you to achieve that goal? Ah, wow, that's a big question. But the transition into politics uh, was not easy because it was not something that I had ever done in frontline. I had always been involved with the organization but had never stepped out there because I didn't think that that's something I wanted to do at that level. However, when the opportunity presented itself, I accepted the opportunity because I felt I could make a contribution. Now, one of the things that stood out most, it did, it impacted my practice only from the standpoint that a lot of people thought I closed my practice. <laughs> and because individuals could not see that you could do both things. And we women, we multitask. We can do 10 things at once. <laughs> you know, we may not do all of them at the same level that we'd like to see, but we multitask. And so um, that that was one impact of it. However, I'm, I'm aware that the, what should I call it, um, situation that uh, exists between a man's response to a man is totally different, no matter what level of power. Um, than a man's response to a woman. And just be before I came in here, I was looking at something on my phone 
where they listed the number of countries in the world who have female leadership. And that's a lot. And we are still having a problem getting a deputy female leadership in our politics. Now, uh, you know, one of the things I've always uh, tried to work with is that um, we give credit where credit is due. And the current government put forth a significant number of females who were uh, successful in their bid. And so they have a significant number of females in their cabinet now, which is a good thing. It, um, you know, if you look at preference, of course, I would have preferred that the party that I supported had that had happened, but it didn't, and now it is. And I think it's important to acknowledge that um, because one of the things as women which sometimes happens is that we in our society are taught to always be competitive, never support. And that's, to me, that's not a good thing. Okay? I think it's important to acknowledge and it's important to support the fact that we have women playing certain roles. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take. One day, hopefully, we will have a female prime minister. But that's to be seen. But the impact of being in the Senate and on my practice was mostly from a numbers perspective. And also, it was more difficult for me to get the male members of the Senate to listen. Because they felt, well, I am a man and I'm going to overtalk you no matter what. And so um, I think as we get more and more females in particular positions, that will gradually be eliminated when they see that we can perform. And we're not just flowers in a chair. And what about in healthcare in our country, historically and now the role of women leadership in our health systems? Um, are you satisfied with that? Uh, no. No, no, I'm not. Um, in, let's go back to the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Uh, when I came on the scene, uh, we had um, Dr. George Sherman and Dr. Lewis uh, and Dr. Knowledge. Those were the consultants. And then we had a lot of um, senior registrars, most of whom were non-Bahamians. And then we've gone through a period with other heads of, uh, of, of the department. And to date, I've been the only female who's been head of the department of obstetrics and gynecology. And um, it seems like it's, it's time. It's time. Because, like I said, we think differently. And I think um, if we can move to that point, that would be a positive thing. See, obstetrics and gynecology is a very unique and special specialty, although people think, you know, the surgeons are this and all of that. But I, what I don't think we appreciate is we produce the next generation. How we take care of a pregnant mother and a baby in utero determines in large part, the quality of life of that developing infant. 
Okay? Because if we do a good job, we get a good baby. In the right circumstances, we're going to get a good adult. If we do a poor job, we're going to get a poor baby. And no matter what the circumstances are, we're going to get a poor adult. And so it, it, it is so important for us to understand as a nation how important obstetrics and gynecology is. And we shouldn't take it for granted. And I think a lot of times we do because I would say um, probably 75 to 80% of our pregnancies are like that. You get pregnant, you go through the pregnancy, and you have the baby. But we only, if we have 10% of non-functional adults in our community, we have a problem. And so it's important that every single infant is given the same due diligence of care while they are in utero. The mother must still be given the same due diligence. And as a result of that, we get the kind of individuals who are going to be able to make a positive contribution to our country. Definitely powerful, sure. Okay, as it relates to a lasting legacy, where do you see your work and efforts fitting in the wide spectrum of how women should be viewed in the space? Well, you know, for me, that's an easy question. From the standpoint that I've been doing obstetrics and gynecology all these years. And today, in my office, for the first time, my daughter, who is now a qualified obstetrician gynecologist, is seeing patients. And so my legacy is in having been able to contribute to her development in an area which I feel is so important. That's awesome. That was very awesome, very, very powerful. What is the importance, Dr. Hall Watson, of the general theme of the um, National Women Physicians Day? It's Dr. Actually. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a question that I don't know that we will ever be able to answer at its fullest. Because no matter... How many, and we do have a lot more female physicians coming out, and that's a good thing. We still have um, patients and individuals who look at you, you take care of them, but they don't connect it with doctor. I have, in my own experience, a patient who's been coming to me for over 20 years. Very nice lady, good relationship, multiple situations I've been through with her. And she still calls me Miss Hall. <laughs> I'm, in truth and in fact, I don't think there's any disrespect intended, but she locked into that when we first met. And after a few times, I says, well, you know, she's comfortable saying Miss Hall, I'll deal with it. But it's gonna take a while but on a general basis, you should be always corrected. I know people get upset when you do it. But when they say Dr. Hall, because it's a male Dr. Hall, that, that, they never think about it. But then they come across the fence and they say, Miss Hall, well, guess what? We went through the same thing. Give me the credit where it's due. You get on the phone 
and they want to speak with the doctor. You get on the phone and he says, hi, this is Dr. Hall Watson. Hi, Miss Watson. <laughs> no, this is Dr. Watson. And I, I think it's going to, it's going to take a while for us to get to that point, but we're going to get there because all female physicians never hesitate from saying you're a doctor. That's important. I think that's great. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dr. Hall Watson, for this time with you. Uh, love um, the journey um, um, in the past, present, and future, and your um, contributions to that. Once again, I think that um, <clears throat> you're just one of those women in general, but definitely as a female physician that we could all look up to, your strength and fortitude and um, all that you've done um, for medicine in the Bahamas and then also as a community leader, definitely to be commended. And um, I'm very, I'm honored to be able to celebrate you in this way. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for asking me. And as I said, I give great kudos to Doctors Hospital and its corporate board for thinking that this is important, okay? But the one thing I want to add at the end of all this is to my female compatriots, female physicians, you're not just a doctor, you're a community provider. So get involved in other activities in our community other than just practicing medicine. Great advice, great advice. Excellent. We would like to give a special thank you to Dr. Sheena Antonio Colley and Dr. Mildred Hall Watson for an enlightening conversation. As always, we encourage you to like, comment, and subscribe to the Doctors Hospital podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. Thank you for listening. We look forward to sharing with you again on the next episode of the Doctors Hospital podcast. Doctors Hospital is proud to announce the launch of our Infusion Center. This center is available for patients in need of IV hydration and nutrition therapy, blood products, long-term antibiotics, and specialized medicines for a spectrum of diseases across multiple specialties, including rheumatology, dermatology, gastroenterology, and endocrinology. We also provide the latest in therapeutic options for COVID-positive patients. Why choose Doctors Hospital? We provide quality, highly specialized care with doctors, hospital physicians, and trained infusion nurses you can trust. Seamless medication approval through our pharmacy and registration services, a safe and comfortable environment, cost-saving benefits with copay waived on medications for insured LAMP members, payment plans for the uninsured, and immediate access to emergency services. We're located at the Luton Building on Daswell Street. For more information, contact us at 242-302-3323 or email us at infusioncenter at doctorshosp.com. Doctors Hospital, trusted and best care now. Isn't your health worth it?